If you have your Bibles today, the book of Judges, chapter number 4. The book of Judges, chapter number 4. Found your place. I'd like for you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's precious word, Judges chapter 4. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera which dwelled in Harasheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. For this chapter today, I think the Lord would have us preach on this thought, the deliverance of a nation. The deliverance of a nation. Father, would you help us now? to preach the word of God in the power and in the demonstration of your Holy Spirit? Would you help us, God, to have ears to hear and to receive what thus saith the Lord? And for this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm just going to jump right in with no introduction. Number one, when I look in this text, I see the wickedness that God chastises. The wickedness that God chastises. Now, Israel is God's chosen people. And after Joshua and the generation that lived in Joshua's day died and passed on into uh, eternal life, Israel began to fall prey to sinful lifestyles. These sinful lifestyles became the accepted practice of the day. They were days of, like we see today, days of sexual immorality, days of sensual indulgence, days of sickening indecency. And by that I say I'm tired of seeing men riding bicycles or walking through the streets naked in front of children, walking through sprinkler systems where children play It makes me angry. Preacher, that's not going on. Bless God, it is going on and is legalized in the United States of America and it ought to be a crime, amen. It's a crime before the face of Almighty God. Days of sickening indecency. Days of shocking inhumanity. Days of selfish indifference. Days of spiritual ignorance. Israel as a nation would rebel against God. God would bring in retribution, judgment, chastisement, and discipline. Israel would repent, call on the Lord. God would forgive them and restore them. That generation would die out. The next generation, without any appreciation for what God has done, would fall back into the same old pattern. I'm talking to somebody today. God saved you. He saved your soul. But your old flesh is not saved. And your old flesh, now the, the soul is saved and it wants to do right. But your old flesh is dragging its feet and wants to bring you back to them same old problems you've been dealing with for all these years. Hey, God 
wants to deliver you from the same old problems and he wants to deliver our nation. Amen. Now I have a poor illustration. There was a little boy who went to school one day, first day of school. He opened up his lunch and he did. He looked, there was a peanut butter sandwich. He said, ah, peanut butter sandwich. I hate peanut butter sandwiches. His buddy just looked at him, but the little boy ate it. The next day they came back to school. He opened up his lunch, looked in his little lunch pail. Oh, peanut butter again. I hate peanut butter sandwiches. His little buddy's just shaking his head. He come back the third day, opened up his lunch pail. Sure enough, peanut butter in there again. He said, I hate peanut butter sandwiches. He said, his buddy said, man, if you don't like peanut butter sandwiches, tell your mama you don't want peanut butter sandwiches. He said, you leave my mama out of this. I made this sandwich. <laughs> That's what Israel was doing. The things that they were practicing brought them into judgment. And they didn't like the judgment and the chastisement that they received. And so they'd get right and then they'd go back and do it all over again. Amen. I'm just saying this morning, we eat the fruit of our deeds and it gets us into trouble. Look with me at verse 1. Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. I underline in my Bible, if you believe that's okay, I did. I underline the word again because they're going back to what they used to do. They are living in sin again after Ehud, the judge, has passed off the scene. To discipline them and to bring chastisement in verse 2, God brings in the king of the Canaanites, a wicked people. His name is Jabin, and his general, or the captain, his name is Sisera. They come in to chastise and to punish Israel. In my mind, Jabin, the king, represents the devil. And in my mind, Sisera represents sin. And so here we see that sin is ruling the day and age in which the children of Israel live. They're oppressing them, afflicting them. They have them in bondage. The Bible says in verse 3 that they were in bondage for, look how long, 20 years. 20 years. The enemy had 900 chariots of iron that the children of Israel could not overcome. So the Bible says in verse 3, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Number one, the wickedness that God chastises. God would rather forgive America than judge America. God would rather forgive you than bring judgment, chastisement, bondage, oppression, affliction into your life. Number two, there is the woman God chose. Verse 4, And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, she judged Israel at that time, and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Her name, Deborah, means a bee, like a honeybee. A honeybee is industrious. They have perception. They have sweetness. They also have razor sharpness. Deborah was the wife of Lepidoth, and she was a prophetess, 
And she judged Israel at that time. Look in verse 5 where she lives. She lives under the palm tree. And you read in the scripture, the palm tree always represents victory. This woman was living in victory. Well, preacher Darren, I'm hung up on her being a prophetess. What does that mean? A prophetess is a woman that God has given supernatural wisdom to. Don't let it bother you because there are other prophetesses in the Bible. What about Miriam in the book of Exodus chapter 15 verse 20? Yet when Miriam the prophetess tried to exercise authority over her brother Moses, God's chosen leader, God struck her with leprosy. Amen. It gets quiet. This, Deborah, is the second prophetess you see. You can turn to 2 Kings 22. You find a woman by the name of Huldah. When Jesus was born and his, Joseph and Mary brought him into the house of God, there was a woman, her name was Anna, a prophetess, living in the house of God. And she took him up in her arms and she began to lift him up. Amen. We can go to the book of Acts, chapter number 21, and we see that Philip had four daughters that were prophetesses. There were eight of them in the scripture. The Bible says in verse 6 that this woman, she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw towards Mount Tabor? Take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto thee the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army with, army with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. Here's what she said. She said, Has God not commanded that you're to take 10,000 men and take them towards Mount Tabor? And as you get there, you're going to come down the mountain to the river Kishon, and God's going to draw the enemy there, and God is going to deliver Israel from the hand of the enemy. May I say this about Deborah for those of you that are still hung up? Look in chapter 5 in verse number 7. I want you to see what Deborah thought about herself. Chapter 5, verse number 7. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose. That I arose a mother in Israel. Do you see her humility? Do you see her meekness? Do you see her standing, her character, her spirit with God? She said, I'm just a mother in Israel that God has raised up to be a prophetess. God chooses the weak things to confound the mighty things. I think of women like Corey Ten Boom, Fanny Crosby. I think about there are some women in this church that are filled with wisdom from the Lord. Amen. Godly women, God chose her. Now, thirdly, I want you to see the warrior God called. His name is Barak. We see him in verse 6. She came and says, Hath not God commanded you, Barak, to get 10,000 men and go to Mount Tabor and the river Kishon? Look with me in verse number 8. After God said he would deliver the enemy into your hands, Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Deborah, by the command of God, 
has sent for Barak. Did you know that Barak is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith? Let me, allow me to read to you Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 32. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms. What we're seeing is that Deborah was a woman of wisdom and that Barak was a man of faith. Preacher, a man of faith. Where did his faith originate from? Go back to our text. What is the origin of the faith in the man of faith? Well, look with me. Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded? You see, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Barak has received the word of God. The word of God is where faith originates. Where, uh, let me say this, Who, what, what is the object of his faith? I have people say to me all the time, you just need to have faith. Faith in what? Somebody said, you need to think more positively. That's positive thinking. There are people on your, on your radio and your TV that stand in the pulpit. It's all about positive thinking. Okay, if, fa if, if faith is positive thinking, they just told you to have faith in faith. That won't work. What about faith in what about what about faith in your ability? What about faith in what you can do? That won't work. That's faith in self. What or who was the object of Barak's faith? God. His faith was anchored in God. And God spoke to him from his word. Amen. What is the operation then of his faith. Faith is hearing from God. Faith is trusting God. Faith is obeying God. He said, I will go. Do you know what the difference between believe and faith are? You know what the difference is? The difference is faith is believe with legs on it. You believe, if you have faith, you'll put legs on it, amen, and you'll get to work. Barak was willing to lead 10,000 men into a battle against Sisera. He has, Sisera, the enemy, has 900 chariots of iron. Look with me in verse number 9. She said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Boy, back in them days, for the captain of the Canaanites to lose a battle to a woman, how insulting. The Bible says in verse 10, Barak called Zebulun, Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh. He went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him. So I see fourthly, there is the wonder that God calls. Now we're going to slow down. We see a woman of wisdom and a man of faith 
and 10,000 soldiers that are marching that they might win victory over an enemy that has beat them down and oppressed them and afflicted them. I'm talking about a problem. You have a problem in your life. How will you get victory over the same old problems in your life? How will we get victory in America from the same old problem? Well, it's going to start with the Word of God. And it's going to start by having faith in God. These 10,000 men are outnumbered. They're outgunned. They're outpositioned. They're vastly outmanned. The difference between the maybe 40 or 50,000 that Jabin has and the 10,000 that Israel has, I mean, they're outnumbered three, four, five to one. In fact, look with me in chapter 5. This is something you need to see. Chapter 5, verse number 8. This is important. This is why they're in trouble. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. You know what our nation has chosen? New gods. God of recreation. God of entertainment. God of doing whatever you want to do. Hey, the Bible says in the book of Judges, there was no king in the land of Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's why they're in trouble here. Keep reading. Look what happens. Was there a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? Israel has 40,000 men. Only 10,000 are with Barak in the battle. They have no shields. They have no spears. They have no weapons. For 20 years, the enemy has been oppressing and afflicting and has taken the weapons right out of their hands. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to confiscate your weapon so you can't fight. Today I have a sword of the Spirit of God. That's the Word of God. You know what the devil would like to do? Get this Bible out of my hands. Get this Bible out of my heart. Get this Bible out of my soul. He wants to get, no wonder he wants to get it out of the school. No wonder he wants to get it out of the courtrooms. No wonder he wants to get it out of our nation trying to outlaw preaching, what you can preach for and what you can preach against. I'm just telling you, the enemy wants to confiscate your weapons. You're worried about Smith and Wesson trying to take your 22 and your 44. That's what you're worried about. I'm telling you, as much as the enemy wants to take away your weapons physically, he wants to take away your spiritual weapons. That's his plan. Satan, the Canaanites, have confiscated their weapons. Now 10,000 men are marching as an infantry against 40,000 men and 900 chariots. For those of you that are history buffs, those of you that know much about war and battle strategies, you don't march 10,000 men into 900 armored tanks the men will be killed immediately. The tanks, being greater, are going to win. These are 10,000 men marching. It's, it's an, a whole division of armored tanks, though they're chariots in that day. Preacher Darren, there's no way Barak can win that battle. You're right. There's no way Barak can win that battle. There's no way you can win this battle 
with the problems you've got. But I know one who can. Preacher, who is he? Is it the president? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure, if you think so. Preacher Darren, is it the, is it the Supreme Court of the United States? <laughs> Preacher, is it the governor? Preacher Darren, who is it? His name is Jesus. There is nothing too hard for him. There's no chain he can't break. There's no bondage he can't defeat. Amen. There's no affliction he can't overcome. Go to God, shout with me. He's able. Look at what he does. Look at the wonder. Now, here they are marching against the subdivision of chariots of iron. Now, some of you are thinking, Preacher Darren, I see what God can do for Barak, but I don't think he can do anything for America, and I don't think he can do anything for me. Will you hear me for a second? Some of you are thinking about caving in. Some of you are thinking about giving up. Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, but faith soars on high. Doubt says, who believes? Faith says, I. God wants you to look to him, have faith in him, and trust him. My Bible says in verse 14, Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day. <laughs> Woo! I felt that while I was preaching. I got to get away from it just a second. This is the day God wants to deliver you from your same old problems. How exciting. Up, for this is the day which the Lord hath delivered Sisera, that's the captain of Sion, into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? <laughs> so Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host with the edge of the sword before Barak so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. Sisera got so bogged down in the battle that the captain of sin had to jump out of his chariot of iron and take off running. What do you think bogged him down? God did. God tells us in chapter 5 what he did. Look, look, look with me in verse 4. Lord, chapter 5 verse 4. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marched out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the, the heavens dropped, and the clouds also dropped water. Preacher Darren, what happened? God just let the bottom fall out, and it began to rain. I got in a rainstorm the other day. I'm telling you, I couldn't hardly see my hand in front of my face. In fact, even last night, I wanted to go outside and grill squash and steaks, amen, Thank you for the squash. Hallelujah. I put them on the grill. And it comes such a storm, amen, as I went to get them off the grill that my pan had that much water in it. My feet were soaking wet. My pan, I had to go change clothes. My, my son took a picture of me and says, the man loves squash. That's all I can tell you. I'm just telling you, God opened up the heaven and the bottom fell out. 
Now, there isn't nothing any worse to a horse pulling a chariot than a thunderstorm. And the bottom from heaven falls out. In fact, look at the next verse. The Bible begins to speak about the mountain melting. What does that mean? A landslide of mud fell in that valley. You know where this valley is? It's right down from the valley of Armageddon. There's going to be another battle fought there one day, man. And I'm telling you, God poured mud, God poured rain on that crowd, and their chariots got bogged down. They had to jump off their chariots of iron. They weren't prepared mentally to fight. And Barak's army discomfited. And I'm telling you, they beat that crowd halfway to death. And the king of sin had to jump out of his chariot and take off running. Look with me in verse 16. Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Harasheth of the Gentiles and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword. There was not a man left. Ooh, ooh, look at this. Look at chapter 5. I about forgot this. This, this is important. Chapter 5, look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Watch this. Now, now here's God. He's, he has sent a frog choking, stump floating, storm to defeat the enemy. Chapter 5, verse 20 says, They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. The river of Kishon swept them away. They got drowned, washed away in the flood. The whole, listen to me, the whole universe, the stars of heaven are against the man who's against God. America, are you listening? The stars of heaven are against the man who's against God. God has programmed every molecule against sin. Did you know that the molecules in your body have such resistance to each other, they can't figure out why you hold together the way you do. It's just God that's done it. God has attracted those molecules and those atoms together. It's God that put the earth in rotation around the sun. It's God that done all these. If, if, if sin had its way, everything would blow and fall apart. Hey, man, it's just the wonder that God caused. God has supernaturally done something to wash away the enemy. And they got national deliverance. That's good, preacher, dear. But what about me personally? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Fifthly, and I'll be done. There is the witness that God changed. Verse 17. How be it Sisera, that's our captain of sin, he fled away on his feet, to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Preacher Darren, why is that important? Look back at verse 11. I skipped it on purpose. Look back at verse 11. Heber and Jael are husband and wife. Heber was a Kenite. Heber said, I'm tired of the children of Israel. I'm tired of the Kenites. I'm tired of going to church. I'm tired of hearing that man preach. I'm defecting. He had peace he made a covenant and a league with the enemy. Verse 15, Heber the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent under the plain of Zanim, which is by Kedesh. They showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. You see, now he's but an informant for the other side. 
Now, his wife, her name is Jael. When the king of sin is on the run, the Bible says that, verse 17, there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. Jael, that's the wife, she went out to meet Sisera. She said unto him, turn in, my Lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. Will y'all look at me? Heber and Jael, they had peace with sinful things. They had no problem with sinful practice. Had no problem with sinful lifestyle. And when the king of sin was on the run for his life, she came out of the tent and she said, Sisera, come on in here. I'll hide you. You're welcome in my home. Is sin welcome in your home? Sisera is the enemy. Sin is the enemy. She welcomed the enemy into her tent. And when he got in there, she covered him with a mantle. The word mantle, you know what it means? It's a, it's a, it's a deep. Write this word down. M-O-R-E. That's what it means. More. She covered him with more. She not only accepted sin, she wanted more sin and more sin in her life. And there he is laid down and she's covered him with a mantle. The Bible says, he said unto her, give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. Can you imagine he's been in the battle all day? He's lost. He's on a wearisome journey running for his life. He says, I'm thirsty. Watch right here. She opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again, he said to her, stand in the door of the tent. It shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, is there any man here? Thou shalt say, no. She's welcome sin. She's hiding sin in her home. I remember that night, July 13th, 1978, and the Holy Ghost came looking for me and said, I want to save you, but are you living in sin? No, ain't no sin in here. I'm all good, preacher there. No problem. That's what I said. The man of God said, there's a lad here. This is your last chance. And when he said it, I jumped, listen, I literally jumped over somebody and took off running down the aisle. And God met me in the middle of that aisleway and he saved me there. May I say this to you, that there came a point in time that sin was no longer welcome in my life. I got tired of what it was doing to me. It said you'll have fun, sin and you'll have fun. Sin and you'll go places. Sin and you'll do great. Just sin that you'll have a blast with sin. You see, J.L. has found out sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Maybe over these 20 years, she's welcomed drugs, drunkenness, depression, dishonesty, depravity, immorality, cheating. The bitterness of sin has led her to a life of frustration and a life of failure, a life of fighting and a life of fear. She's just fizzled out. She has no hope for her children. She has no peace 
and she's miserable. People say, Preacher Darren, sin is liberating. Sin is incarcerating. It'll lock you up and lock you down. You think you have freedom, but the devil is a liar and the father does it. J.L. got tired of the 20 years living with them same old problems. And when sin said, hey, stand at the door and watch for me. Sin's covered. He said, I'm thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? She gives him milk. Milk represents the word of God. She said, you know what? Yes, I'm tired of the way I've been living 20 years. Yes, I'm tired of these same old problems. Yes, I may just be the wife here, but I've got to have a change in my home. You're not welcome here. I'm sick of it. The Bible says in verse 21, Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of a tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it to the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. Do you see that? When he laid down now, covered up by more sin, she gets out the word of God, addresses the issue. When sin is now in her life, there it lays, tired and weary. She goes outside of her tent and she pulls up a tent peg and she gets a great big hammer. She quietly walks over where he lays. She took that tent peg to the side of his head and went wham and drove it through one side of his temple to the other side and nailed him to the ground. I'm thinking about a man named Jesus who took the three nails they put in his body and shed his blood and gave his life that we might be free living with the same old problems, being victims to sin under bondage and unoppression. Thank God, amen, we've been redeemed. We've been set free. Sin has been slain. Sin has been conquered. Thanks be unto God. And it was a woman, the church, that did it. Behold, as Barak 22 pursued Sisera, Jael came out to me. Now, he knows Jael's been to the other side. She came out to meet him and said, Come, I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temple. May I say, if we ask Jael who's on the Lord's side, she'd say, For 20 years I've not been, but I got tired of living that old way of sin. I quit. I got tired and said, oh yeah, I'm a child of God. Oh yeah, I'm a child of Israel. But I know I'm not. And I got tired of the frustrations and the misery of my sin. And I vowed and I called on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the God of his word. He saved me and I put sin to death. Hey, somebody today, they some old problems come creeping around your mind again. You got saved way back yonder. But every now and then, them old feelings, that old struggle in your heart, that old 
mouth says some things. That old mind thinks some things. Them old eyes get attracted to that same old junk. And you said you quit. But God's no, God knows you've not. God wants to deliver you today. I wonder if there's anybody here saying, you know what, preacher Darren, I want to get the tent peg. And I want God to help me nail this thing down. I'm so sick of the way I'm living. I'm so sick of the frustration and the misery. I know I'm saved, preacher, but I need help today. We need deliverance individually. We need deliverance as a nation. Aren't you tired of cutting on the news and seeing school shootings and men running around naked all over the place? Aren't you tired of this transient? Aren't you tired of it? Who's going to cry out to God and do something about it? Who's going to get a tent pick? Who's a mom in here that says, no, I don't want my children having to grow up in a day and an age like this. I'm tired in the 20 years I've been alive, in the 30 years I've been alive, of seeing what the devil's doing. I am sick to hear with it, preacher Darren. And today, I'm going to that altar, and I'm going to ask God, help me do something about it. You stand to your feet. Maybe there's a grandpa. I'm one. I don't want my girl to have to grow up in this. Oh, I'm going to cry out to God this morning. Church, would you help me cry out to God? Israel cried out as a people. Don't just be one or two. Would you come and cry out to God and say, Oh, God, would you deliver us from these problems? God set us free. Pour your heart out to him today. Please, I believe in God for a miracle, for a prayer today, for deliverance, folks are moving. Father, this morning, as we bow in your presence, Lord, I'm so sick of what we see in the world in which we now live. My heart breaks for what I've grown up in, what my children have grown up in, and what my granddaughter could possibly see. God, I pray you'd protect her. God, I pray you'd restore our nation to the Christian heritage she once heralded and was so vastly proud of. Do not let the glory of our nation fade across the horizon. Lord, please forgive us. We've sinned. Both I and the Father's house, we have sinned against you, God. We're begging you today, God, please forgive us. Please, supernaturally, sovereignly deliver us. God, I pray today for a mother in her home where sin has long been welcome, that today, God, she would take that tent peg and she would drive it right through the enemy's temples and put sin to death this very day. Oh, God. I pray you'd save. I pray you'd restore. God, I pray you'd deliver. God, do it, Lord, I pray, before it's everlasting too late. God, I'm just a little nobody. I know that. But God, if revival could start right here, where I am, with these that are with us, God, Lord, would you do it, Father? Would you restore us? Would you deliver us, God, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.